you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Going to the hurry up offense. Chargers going right to left across the radio. Pass rush in. Rivers going downfield, got a man. Williams at the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. We'll see you in the end zone. Touchdown, San Diego. Here we go. Run Zeke. Up the middle, he's gone. Zeke's gone. Goodbye, Zeke. Touchdown. The Cowboys are going to steal one in Pittsburgh. Cam Newton to throw. Blitz by Sorensen. Passes intercepted. Eric Berry at the 40-35. Sorensen's blitz set it up. Berry inside the 20. Stays on his feet, dancing. Still going left. He's got a chance. He's at the 15, angling left. 10 to the 5. A block. And Berry to the left. Front pylon. Touchdown, <laughs> Kansas City. All right, fun call there. Why the Chargers were in I don't know. Why are we, why are we looking effort? at the Chargers? I don't know about that. But anyway, hi and hello and welcome to the Dave Damashek football program presented as always by McDonald's. All day breakfast. Go get you some. Put it in your belly. Thank me later for that. Welcome to the DDFP, like I say, which streams live 5 p.m. Eastern on NFL.com every Tuesday and Thursday. If you missed the live stream, make sure you check it out, NFL.com slash DDFP. YouTube and beyond. You can, you can listen to it. Yeah, you right can on iTunes. It. We appreciate uh, people listening. We appreciate you watching. And if you are watching, what do you see here? Your eyes are not deceiving you. Look who's back in Studio 66. Maurice okay. Jones-Drew, everybody. Look at the quartet. Finally, finally, my heart feels full again that we have the gang back. The cool And some Hank. Ike Taylor, Maurice Jones-Drew. Got that swirl back. And the potbelly Jew. That's right, the swirl. Yes, that's exactly a good way of saying it. We'll say proper hellos in just a second. Let's get to the hurry up here, fellas. Is going for two overly aggressive? A lot of noise about this after Sunday's results. I start with you, Maurice. No, not when you, you don't believe in your kicker. You know, a lot of kickers are missing those PATs. That's the point. That's exactly right. So, I, you know, you see a lot of teams practice those things. You hear about it. Uh, and sometimes you can get a jump on your opponent if you get eight. You know, then it kind of throw off the scoring, uh, the coaching scoring pad that they have that they try to go through. Handsome. I, I'd ask Maurice the question. Was there ever an offense you were on where if someone challenged you and said, can you get two yards, you would say, no, I don't think we can do it. I just as a fan, it doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't be able to back yourself as an offense that you can get two yards on any given down. Yeah, but Forget about me, the fact. If you have a bad QB, that would be the reason right. you don't go for two regularly. Right. But forget about the fact it's in the end zone. It's just, could you get two yards? Right. Yeah. Got I would back Maurice every time. Well, I know it does get tighter once you're at the goal line there, but your point is well taken. If you believe in your quarterback and your offensive pieces, it seems like the sound move there. Ike. Yeah, I think sometimes it's getting overly aggressive. Um, even though the, the field goal kickers aren't kicking as accurate as we think they are, you know. But at the same time, man, at one point, uh, it looks better than zero. 
you know, it catches up with you. That's what kind of happened to Pittsburgh in his last game. So you think they were t- – to me, it seems like they're reacting to – Coach Tomlin, you know, believes in going for two anyway. Right. But on top of that, it's hard to buy that this defense is going to stop anybody. You need in a game against a team that you know is going to put up a lot of points, we need every point we can get. We better go for two. Worst case scenario, though, you go 0 for 4 going for two-point conversions. Right. Instead of just kicking the one, man, you get at least four points. Now you come up with no points. Now look at the game result. Well, like Marie said, where where he started out there is, it, you know, if you haven't been paying attention, the gimme extra point ain't such a gimme in 2016. Right. Right. That's that's the other factor. So I kind of don't mind to. I, Pete Carroll went too far going for two up uh, up seven there against the Patriots, but still survived. All right, rank. We talk about these Dallas Cowboys and uh, hard to argue against them. Let's rank the key pieces here. I'm going to start out with you, Ike. Zeke Elliott, mm-hmm. Dak Prescott, mm-hmm. Rod Marinelli, mm-hmm. who is the unheralded hero there, right. and uh, Des Bryant, mm-hmm. still one of the three or four best pass catchers in all the NFL. How right. say you? Let's do them in order. What's what's the key, the number one? What's the most important detail? Coach Rod, OC, Marinelli. Is that right? Oh, he's he, he's putting all the pieces. I really I thought you was gonna have all five of the offensive linemen. Yeah, that's what it should be. That's 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 what. That's I, oh yeah, and yeah. the five offensive linemen. That's yeah, yeah. right. That's right. That's what we didn't have on here. Right. So, so the, you could have the offensive line too. But well, first I'm gonna go with Coach Rod. Then I'm gonna go offensive line. Then I'm gonna go Dak. Then I'm gonna go Zeke. Then I'm gonna go Des. Zeke is fourth on your list, huh? Zeke is fourth on my list because Dak have to have the ball in his hand every snap. Uh-huh. So he's in charge, and and when you're down with when you're down six, two minutes left to go in the game, you want Dak to lead you in this drive. A minute thirty-two left in the game, Dak got to lead you in this drive, which he's been done. I think he did it for two games already this year, game winning drive. So yeah, that's why I have Dak at number three. But number two, you got to give it to the offensive line, man. This wouldn't happen at all without the offensive line. Ezekiel Elliott, man, you know, if I put him on the Cleveland Browns, I don't know if he's going to rush for 1,000 yards right now. I know he's doing a damn good job behind this offensive line right now. He's looking very impressive. And you got to tip your hat off to Dez, man. Dez has been real quiet, real low-key. He's been going through a lot personally, but he's still showing up. He's not being that diva anymore. He yeah, he re- that's, that is something that no one has really mentioned once, and that's a, that and he, is a and big he, thing. And he sees now how important that – run game is to the passing game he is so as soon as Dak sees single high safety that one safety mm-hmm. sitting out there in the middle he's going to Dez every time and Dez is winning these one-on-one oh battles. he's he's devastating because of what Zeke is doing back there I do think the Romopologists too if you buy what they've been saying for the last decade that oh it's different you don't understand it if you're not in Dallas when you're the quarterback of America's team the pressure is uh, is unbelievable well Dak Prescott's proven a lot of that wrong and I do think that uh, we can't sleep on what a rookie is doing mm-hmm. there in if if you buy that oh, the pressure is is uh, unbelievable in, in that spot that's the most pressure packed position you can be in in any sports situation is to be the that Dallas pass Cowboys. he uh, threw to Dez Bryant where where Pittsburgh blitzed up the middle triple middle five zone, so your two linebackers, they cross blitz, so they came up, and with Dez, all Dez did was slide to the left. That's that's a Tom Brady move. I Tom was going to say that was a Drew Brees move, but Tom, Tom Brady, Tom Brady does right. it best. He he doesn't look to run. He just slides. He pivot all the way in that pocket. He got the best feet in the pocket. Rookies don't do that. I can just only imagine, no disrespect to Tony Romo, but I can only imagine. Rookie, Tom, Sam Bradford would have. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Tony yeah. Romo probably – Tucked up, probably ran out. Dak kept his eyes on the field, slid left a little bit, and delivered to Dez. The man poised is unbelievable, like you said, as a rookie, man. Handsome. How? What? Uh, who would be your number one? Uh, the offensive line is definitely the the key there. Uh, everything behind that. I think I, it's I, I Dez. I agree with you. I think it's funny how Dez has not been a uh, an issue at all this year, and I think maybe because he's had to step up and be he's the old guy on the on that offense now. He's the experienced guy. Where you you got Zeke, you got Dak, and now he has to be kind of a leader for that team, and he can't. They they won't accept him being the guy who's taking attention and causing issues. Maurice, uh, you know, I would go obviously O line first, then I'd go Zeke, because what Zeke has done for Dak is that he allows him to see simple coverages, right? So you can't run these exotic coverages, these two shells and things like that because they'll just run the ball down your throat. So when he is throwing the ball, uh, 
it's to he knows it's going to be cover three, man to man, maybe cover five, which is a, another version of cover three. But guys are going to be in the same spots, and so it, it helps the offensive play caller out a ton. Then I'd go uh, Dak because he does get him in the in the right calls, and he, you've seen him audible and do things like that. Then I go uh, Rod Millinery. Uh, how do you say his last name? Marinelli. Marinelli. Because I was going to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I would go him because that defense, yes, they're they're playing well. And last, I would go Dez because they've won without Dez for a long time, right? Dez was out, Romo was out, and they won games. And so, yeah, Dez comes back and he's a, another addition to that pie, you know, another ingredient to that uh, that recipe. But I think you know, without Dez, you had Bryce Butler, Terrence Williams made plays, Jason Witten comes out of nowhere. Now he's all of a sudden relevant. You know, there's guys making plays out there. So, I think the defense is still – they're still not that defense. Right. But because they, they, they're they not on the field all the time, because they get, they get a ton, clock, Yeah, right. you, you, you're rested. They can go out there and play fast. And, well, go, and they're playing banged up as well. Yeah. Um, what would uh, Maurice Jones-Drew, Ike, in your professional assessment, what would he do behind – in that same situation? Do the same thing. He would do – he would have the same numbers as Zeke uh, Elliott right now? You forgot. They had that recipe – in Jacksonville. Well, I know. That's what I'm but asking it, yeah. you because but everybody listen. keeps saying, well, that offensive line makes everybody good. No, I mean, it, it, it does. McFadden, but he wasn't great behind that. Like, well, I, mean, he, I, I think he kind of stayed hurt. Darren kind of stayed hurt. Like, Zeke, for the most part, he, he's he been healthy for the whole season. And what you got to like about Zeke is him picking up that, that pass blitz on third oh, down. Yeah. Like, he's giving it to the linebackers. He's giving it to a defensive end. Like, whoever trying to get Dak blitzing on them passes – I feel sorry for him because Zeke is laying every bit of 230 pounds up in your chin. Oh, Mike Mitchell learned about uh, <laughs> how hard Zeke Elliott runs and what a big fella he is uh, on that first drive. He didn't even have to get five minutes into the game to find out about that. Maurice Jones-Drew, what numbers would he put up, handsome? I think 1,800 yards, probably 12 touchdowns. Maurice. 12 rushing what? touchdowns, maybe three. through. Uh, Maurice, three what numbers would Maurice Jones-Drew put up behind in, in this uh, Dallas offense? I don't know. It, it would be interesting, though. Would it Look, be better? If listen, oh, it, it would. It would be. It would probably because well, you gotta remember. And, and I never played with like a Des Bryant caliber. No, receiver. no, no, not even that. Fred Taylor, LeBrandon Tofield, Greg Jones. We had about eight running backs. Uh, them boys, they they had four running backs, so he had to split time with four guys. You I just think, give them. You give. I legitimately him. think that situation. If you yeah. put Maurice Jones drew into that situation, I think he'd make all kinds of hay. Oh uh, no question. I mean, I think a lot of good running backs would, but I think he in particular would suit that uh, given his uh, his style. And by the way, could catch some passes right. for you. Don't have to take him off the field in third down. But let's talk about the Cowboys and the other team in the NFC. That I mean, these are clearly the two best teams in the NFC. Handsome. Who's going to win that Seahawks-Cowboys game? I can't tell you where it's going to be played. Uh, That's fine. I don't need to know. <laughs> uh, I think the Seahawks win the game. Do you? Why so? I, I just think when it comes to it in that kind of situation, I think that might be the time. You, last week when we talked about the Steelers-Cowboys uh, game, you guys were picking – both picked the Steelers, and you both told me that this was going to be the moment. Like, I didn't at some say point, it was going wait, to wait, be. Wait, I said it wait. might be. You said at some point Dak is going to be found out as a rookie and there's be, there'll be a situation that's too big for him. And if that if that's going to happen, the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks seems like a place that could happen. Maurice. Yeah, you know what? It's tough because I just remember going back to preseason watching Zeke take on Cam Chancellor. And he won. Hmm. And Cam, you know, came out on Twitter because he was getting a lot of uh, – Heat for it. Yeah, a lot of heat. And he was like, man, it's only the preseason. But – if you ever give a man a little bit of confidence on you. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And I think the Seahawks or the, the Cowboys took that and ran with it. If you really – if you you that's when Tony Romo went down, Dak came in, all that, and they just kind of been running on ever since. That That's scary to me. I, I'd have to say the Cowboys. I'll tell situation. you what. The one thing that I – I mean, Ike, you played on the Pittsburgh Steelers who were all about brawn. And when, you know, you talk about that aught seven Jaguars team – they came in and outdid the Steelers Smash playing them. Steelers ball. Right. I feel like that's the same scenario here. Like, might is right. John Facenda said that back in the 70s about the Steelers, and that's right. I think that the Cowboys can come in, not defensively, but they can, you know, they can they can steamroll the Legion of Boom. Cowboys versus Seattle? I'm rocking with the Cowboys all Are day. You? I'm rocking with the and, – and here is why. They don't like the blitz, and I'm talking about the Seattle Seahawks defense. They, they they let they front four get at it. They let Wag and crew 
them boys run down the line. Uh, you double team the, the two front guys on the defensive line. You can't do that with the Dallas Cowboys. This isn't Tony Romo. See, they used to pick and choose. They used to blitz Tony Romo a lot. Now they're starting to see because even Pittsburgh tried it for a while in the last game. Let's blitz that. Let's make them look at the hots. But that ain't working. But the run game, them boys are not wavering from that run game. And we did see what the Carolina Panthers last year did to Seattle with the run game. And the Dallas Cowboys run game is just as strong as last year Carolina Panthers run game. So now you put a Dez Bryant on a Richard Sherman, that's going to be a heck of a matchup. So now we're forgetting about the old veteran guy who's been playing for 32 years and the Jason Witten. Still catching balls, still catching touchdowns, still doing this thing. So now you got a Dak who can take the hit, who can move around a little bit. He really doesn't want to run. He's just like a Russell Wilson. Between Mariota, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott, the game is similar. All of them got the same kind of game. Lean heavy on the run, run when we need to, but always keep your eyes downfield. So now you got a Beasley, something like a Wes Walker, because nobody really known him. Wes, when he was in Miami, he'd go to New England. He'd go to the Pro Bowl. Beasley the same way in the slot. There's another reason why you're comparing him to Wes Welker. I'm just saying, do, doing the same thing in the slot. <laughs> he, he's, he's a chain mover. He's, he's not your big play guy. I'm going to use him in the red zone. When it comes to third and three, I'm going to look for Witten first, then I'm going to see what Beasley at. The same thing. Them boys have the recipe. As bad as as much as I want to say Seattle, and then again, I'm going to go back to their preseason where Ezekiel was like, oh, this the NFL? Because you're looking at Cam like, Cam is possibly the hardest hitter in the NFL at any position. Mano y mano. Just Earl one Thomas on, one, and Gronk now. One-on-one one, one just coming down a straight line, ain't nobody, ain't nobody better than Cam. Mm-hmm. You, want, you want to face my face you. Ezekiel didn't back down not one I, I admire what the Cowboys have put together. I think that is a scary offense they throw out there. I think Russell Wilson is soul-crushing, especially in the playoffs. When he starts spinning around, you do everything right, and he still makes plays. I think that would ultimately win out against the Cowboys, but by a whisker. I think the last thing for me, and the reason why I say the Cowboys, is that that offensive line for Seattle is still bad. Mm-hmm. or It's still bad. Like It's not a good one, and – when the Cowboys get healthy and they start getting those pass rushers back off suspension and guys start getting their legs up underneath them, it's going to be ugly. You know you know what's helping the Dallas Cowboys defense? And we all agree, I think, the offense, time, and possession, but they're gaining confidence. Mm-hmm. Right. The secondary guys, they feel like they can cover anything now. And when you have confidence just on the defense, especially in the secondary, man, you're cooking with gas. We, we talked about that one week ago, yes, in a vacuum that uh, wins don't carry over if you're looking at numbers. But I do think the human element, as these things start to add up and you win tight games, I think it does matter going forward. You, uh, Maurice and Ike, you know better than uh, Handsome and I about that, but I do agree with you. All right, let's start the show. Oh, we're just getting started. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> let's go. Hi, yes. Hello. Yes. Hi and hello, and welcome <laughs> to the DDFP. And we're presented by McDonald's all day breakfast. And I once again encourage mm. you to go put some in your belly whenever you're listening. It's always a good it's breakfast choice. time right now, Dave. Hey, guess what we have coming up here? <laughs> John King from CNN is going to join us. Oh. He's a huge Patriots fan, okay. and of course, you saw him at the touch screen. Maybe he has some tips for Maurice Jones-Drew, who does some nice work on the touch screen. Actually. I saw Ike Taylor doing some work on the touchscreen as well now, so maybe he, the uh, the wizard of the touchscreen, John King, can uh, I'm always out. willing to learn. Ike and Maurice here. Let's say hello to it. We're happy to have uh, the quartet back here in Studio 66. Let's say hello to the former Jaguar, Raider, and Bruin, Maurice Jones-Drew. <laughs> Look at that smile. Sexy. We really need to get that on Fantasy and Friends. You can watch that on NFL Network. Me, Maurice, uh, Adam Rankin, Aaron Coscarelli with you. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'd say that's the most fun you could have at 6 p.m. Eastern. You think so? Yeah. 
Yeah, I know handsome Hank watches. And, on, uh, on Mondays, we like to shoot off cannons in each other's faces. Mm-hmm. Erin be getting nervous, right? Oh, yeah, she don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let it go. <laughs> I, I will say, yes, we do. When we, when we admit when, or when we tell you what we got right and what we got wrong last week to celebrate the correct ones, they do fire off these cannons. And I got to tell you, 100% of the time, it scares me. I'm just not ready for, like, right. all of a sudden, I'm in the middle. Boom! <laughs> it's terrifying. It's the best thing. Reminds me of my days in Nam. All right, let's say hello now to uh, the former Pittsburgh Steeler. Now you watch him. On hope, I hope you're watching them. If you're missing out, shame on you. NFL total access after the Monday night game, of course, doing great work with Maurice and company on NFL now too. Here he is. Oh, and also on game day morning, emerging star. Here he is, Ike Taylor. Everybody. This is Dylan one show on game day morning show. Morning, Greg. Uh New Orleans. Number three, T-A-Y-L-Y. I scored. Like Taylor. I scored on that one. He did? score yep. on that. That was against the – St. Louis Rams. Oh, that's against the Rams. I thought that highlight there. Yes, yeah. if you are listening to us, we also have a video that accompanies each of these songs. Check those out uh, if you would. And now let's also say hello to our pal who is really feeling good. He and his uh, his sweet little six-year-old boy made the trip down to San Diego to watch Ooh. his Dolphins it's true. or their Dolphins now. there was If you've been a longtime listener of the show, you know that uh, Handsome's little boy – was maybe thinking about the Jets or the Cowboys. I told him Santa didn't like the Jets. So he got, that's how <laughs> he got him off the Jets. So now they are fully a Dolphins house, and and uh, just in time, too, as uh, the Dolphins catch fire. Here he is, everybody, all the way from London, England. It's he got the Hank. best intro. He's handsome, That's like... I get mad every time I see it. You know what? You say I've got the best one, but I heard that Matt Moneysmith is getting a new intro for the Thursday show, and they put together a rock duet that hasn't been you know, hasn't been together for probably a decade. And wow. It's, it's, it's nah, pretty that's, hot. That's, that's short and sweet right there. That's, I know, but your song is the catchiest. Yeah, you're, I sing that in the shower Gretna, often. I'll uh-huh. find myself in the morning. I'm not kidding. I'll find myself in the morning. <laughs> morning, Grant. Not the morning. What am I doing? Maurice, Maurice and that cat running around right, in his cat, video. The cartoon cat. The ca- that cartoon cat is no, bad. I love the well. Jaguar. Real quick, let me uh, update you on Football Baby's travels. He's like Flat Stanley, only better. We appreciate uh, each and every one of you who's taken him along to a trip to a football game or beyond. In fact, you see there. Double header. Yeah, well, he went to Calgary. I missed the guy's name. I uh, tweeted it out. Oh, it's on the card, see? Oh, look at MVP's getting angry with me. It's right in front of you, dummy. Josiah Donahue took him to both a college football game in Calgary. By the way, did you know the University of Calgary's football team is named the Dinos? Short it's for a good dinosaurs. Name. I like that. And he also went to a Calgary Flames game. Riley took him to Heinz Field to watch the Steelers lose. Connor Cunningham took him to uh, to the Jets and Rams game. Yeah, I should have took him with me too. I know. Yeah, it might well, have entertained you more than the game. No, the game was awesome. Oh, what a – you thought the game was awesome. Anytime, awesome. anytime the Rams win, it's awesome. Oh, look at Wait, uh, so the Rams have won more games by not scoring a touchdown. So we, do, we don't want to score any more touchdowns. Yeah, yeah. We just want to keep kicking field. Well, I, you know what? This uh, leads us perfectly into this. You enjoyed – well, there was one play that stood out, my beloved hook and ladder. I love the hook and ladder. One of the, that was the greatest executed play I've ever seen. All right, well, let's life. take a listen to Maurice Jones-Drew's call of Ooh. Bryce Petty to who? Bilal Powell, who then – It was Billy to, Powell. I no, mean, Brandon Marshall. Marshall, who pitched it to Bilal Powell. Let's take a look and listen here. Petty throws left side. Marshall makes the catch. Laterals. Bilal Powell – he looped around to the left and got in the end zone at the textbook. far pylon. A creative play uh, there by the Jets where they run, you know, a receiver screen to Brandon Marshall, understanding everybody's going to converge. He tosses the ball to Bilal Powell, who runs around the edge and scores a touchdown. You know, sometimes when you're playing a stingy defense, you have to be creative and you have to do some good things. So uh, that's just one, again, that's a tough play to get uh, practice for because no one's ever seen it. I like that call. My favorite word you used in there, stingy. I like when people say that's a stingy they, defense. They were very they're, – they're pretty stingy, but I tell you what, 
Uh, it's funny when you 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 listen to me like describe the play with the video because we don't you don't get yeah. video on radio. It just looks sounds stupid. Well, I'll tell you, <laughs> you know what you don't do, you know what you have not given into, and I hope you don't turn into this guy. For some reason, a lot of people who do who do color on radio broadcasts for a local team have now given into like that they think their job is to just hoot and holler in the middle of the play, like then when the guys are running down the sideline, like yeah, yeah, go. You know, what 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 the hell's going on? You're supposed right. to analyze what's happening, not cheer. I've only done that once. It was against the Bucks, and uh, their one of their young defensive end Westbrooks picks up a uh, sack uh, sack fumble, starts running, and and as JB Long, the play by play, our play by play guy is uh, talking, I'm like go. Go, go. <laughs> you probably do it on some of those field goals as well, right? No. I think it would be nice if we all could watch a game and call it. You know, that's kind of what, what the Blitz does. I think we should uh, expand the possibilities of uh, play-by-play and beyond here. I want to show you, too, my favorite play in maybe NFL history that didn't involve uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. 1982, the San Diego Chargers, the Miami Dolphins are playing – my favorite football the game best that game, I've ever best watched. Best game of all time. Look at what Don Strock does Don here. Strzok. Last play of the first half. He throws it to Duriel Harris, who runs Tony the hook Nathan. Ladder, pitches it to Tony Nathan and runs in there. And uh, that was it was uh, the highlight of a game filled with highlights. Uh, wonderful stuff. Why don't we see more of that kind of stuff? Is it because if you do that and it fails, oh, it puts us – I mean, like – Chuck Pagano with that weird fake punt a year ago, that still, like, hangs over his head. Is that the reason you coaches don't do it? Because if it fails, you just look re- you look dumb. Oh, they're doing it. They're just doing it with one person, OBJ. OBJ did it twice. They scored twice. <laughs> they're doing it. So he's going to be the hook guy. Matter of fact, I lied to you, and I'm about to run his, <laughs> I'm about to run his fade for this touchdown. <laughs> Um, all right, I want to I want to take a look at this here, uh, Ike, on that uh, that Dallas game. We talked a lot about the Cowboys and how dominant they were, but uh, it's time now for the debut. We've teased at it for the last couple of weeks here. It's time for the debut of Ike Taylor's escape goat. We're gonna go into wow. this now. The uh, the escape goat of the Steelers and Cowboys game was who, Ike? The escape goat mm-hmm. is the defense. The whole defense gets it. Yeah. Oh, look, oh, look, at, look at that. At They're the all escape goats. Looking at us. Yeah, I got to give it to the they whole defense. Out. You know, it's, it's 60 minutes. It's not 57 and a half. It's not 59. It's a 60-minute ball game. So, you know, when you're up, especially when we played, at least when I played, man, when the game was on the line and we had to stop somebody from running the ball, at least to score getting field goal range, we made sure them boys kicked the field goal. We made sure they didn't score to win the ball game. So, I got to give it to my Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, defense. I'll tell you, I mean, it, it for for what it's worth, I'm obviously, as I say, rooting for the Steelers watching that game. And uh, as soon as the touchdown, Antonio Brown catches that, within two seconds I look at uh, the clock, 42 seconds, and I think, oh, well, that's way too much time. The Steelers are wait, 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 hold, game. I didn't see the game. They scored in under 42 seconds? Yeah. The, the Steelers went right down the field. They take the lead. No, they took the lead off a uh, fake spike. Right, right. Fake spike. Antonio Brown scores a touchdown. You look at the clock. They're up three. And immediately I think, well, this is not going to be enough time for this. I mean, this is going to be way too much time. Maybe if there but were Dave, 11. that's how you, you you are willing the Steelers to lose. Bizarrely, as a fan, no, you not. will them Under to lose every left. game, every minute until the end. But doesn't Jarvis Jones have to be lucid and see where the ball carrier is? It's as though he's fussing with Gavin Escobar, who he should be able to defeat uh, anyway. Doesn't he have to see that Zeke Elliott has the ball and leave and and disengage and try and make the tackle there? Or is he trying to drive a, the, no, the, the a, pile so that Sean you, Davis is going to make it? You'd be a playmaker. Like, you you did everything you needed to do textbook-wise. You got in your gap. Go ahead and let go of the tight end and make that play. You don't have to hold on to the tight end. Don't let somebody else make you play, which is Coach LeBeau always used to say. Please don't let somebody else make you play. And there's nothing wrong with being a playmaker. And – Jarvis Jones on that play could have been a playmaker. She's there slip, which he shouldn't have slipped. But the second one, that's how the defense was supposed to work, supposed to bounce it outside to the corner. The corner made that play, but it didn't happen. That's why you saw him on that touchdown, Sean Davis running in, because he was like, man, I've seen this before. Like, I'm about to make this tackle. They got to kick this field goal if they make it. But it didn't happen like that.
Yeah, well, yeah, and you could see his – it looks like he takes a bad angle, does Sean Davis. No, he didn't take a bad angle. That was the right angle. Right, he's, he did based on what you expect, you know, with so his anticip- did, he's now expecting Jarvis His anticipation Jones to is, the same, right? is, is the same, but it's not like that. And when you got Ezekiel Elliott untouched, man, it's hard on anybody. You saw what he did in the 86-yard uh, screen. Maurice, more credit to the O-line and to what Dallas did there, or are you inclined to agree with uh, Ike's diagnosis? No, it's Ike. Anytime a defense misfits, it's going to be a touchdown. Anytime. I mean, you can't let it go for 30 yards. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if if someone's not in their gap. So when we used to play, you, you could tell by the way people are lined up what gap they have. If they're not in that gap by the time the ball snapped, it's a touchdown because everyone else is supposed to – guys are running over the top to get through. They're supposed to be guys are coming from behind you to get what they're supposed to be. And if you have a gap like that, I didn't even – like I said, I didn't watch the tape. But after you broke it down, I'm like, yeah, there was, he was going to score. Yeah. Jarvis Jones has to get in that gap. He has to have his head across the tight end and at least show color in that yep. gap so that he could kick out. out. If you don't if you don't have any color in there because as a running back, everything's moving so fast, all you can see is – the white of the jerseys, right? So I know where the gap is going to be. I don't see numbers. I don't see faces. I just see the colors of the jerseys. So if I see two white jerseys, that's where I'm running. Mm. But if I see white, black, white, black, then I don't have nowhere to go. Interesting. And that's what uh, the Very. viewer is looking at right now. White. Pretty, yep. Anyway. Hey, exactly. you know another offensive line that's dominating right now? The Miami Dolphins and Jay Ajay yep. is taking advantage of that. That leads us to today, this week's Thrill of victory, agony of defeat. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Drinking bubbly and everything else. Mm, Handsome Hank, you're feeling good. But I'm going to start out with you for worst loss. What do you think was the worst loss we saw in uh, in Week 10? I think the Panthers couldn't afford to lose a, a game at home against the Chiefs. Agree. Agree with that that's one. A, that's just that for them. If they if they really think that they could slide into one of those wild card spots, I don't think that's going to. You know, I, I mean, they're going to start running out of games is the problem. Right. But the fact that uh, the Falcons also lost mm-hmm. now leaves it as a possibility. But I do think that this is probably a season, uh, a playoff. But I don't, th- I don't think they're really competing with the Falcons right now because the Falcons are going to win that division. They're competing for a wild card spot. Oh, and, I disagree. I think if the Falcons, if they win this game, I think the Panthers and they still get the Falcons again. I think they beat the Falcons. I think the the division was what was within reach. I'll tell you. I'll go. But they didn't win. No. Yeah. No. So, that's true. So that's true. it doesn't matter. Well, you know, the whole division, <laughs> the whole division lost, uh, with the exception of the Buccaneers. And uh, to me, I agree with the Panthers. At home, up seventeen, a good defense. You can't blow it against right. anybody, including against the. And Chiefs then they go to play the Saints on Thursday night. And then, then you're really in trouble. But what about the Saints' loss? Have you ever seen a loss like that, Ike? I mean, have you ever had one that uh, was 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 that tough to handle? I mean, a two-point conversion, the guy clearly stepped out of bounds, and, and yet, watch this now. Keep this one in mind. The Broncos are going to go to the playoffs, maybe, and the Saints may not go to the playoffs because of one weird play here, Ike. Yeah, we, we almost had this happen. And that was, you know, when Bussy fumbled the ball – Oh yeah, right. Colts, yeah, right. The Colts. So obviously, we we overcame and we won that game in the playoffs uh, back in the day. But yeah, that was a scary feeling. The crazy thing is, man, when you lose off that two points, and then we talk, we ain't even talking about what's his foot out of bounds. But when you wear white shoes, man, oh, it it's was. hard. It it's was. Hard. I don't know, man. He had them white shoes on. I, I, I can't tell. Them yeah, listen, I watch a lot of TV, and I see a lot of commercials for weird physical ailments now that didn't exist uh, 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> Restless leg syndrome, and uh, I pee too much, or I don't pee enough, and all that kind of stuff. I've never heard of having skinny foot syndrome. And unless he has no a, 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 a foot uh, that's white shoes. Uh, as wide as a banana, how would – of course – White shoes. Of course he right. stepped on the line. When you saw it, it can't be of course. Possibly didn't step on the it line. It can't be of course, but I'll, I'll tell you, there, I was part, I wasn't part of it, but in Jacksonville uh, they were playing the Saints. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. They did the yeah, whole yeah. little lateral back and forth and all that, and they score, and then the and kicker misses miss the field goal. Yeah, how is yeah. that? that is, I guess that what, I, what I'm asking is here. <laughs> That's, what, that hurt. How do you because when a coach says we got to have this one, guys? Here's the season. I'm sure. 
Mike Tomlin was in the locker room this week, as were, I'm sure, Ron Rivera gave that speech. Hey, we don't have any room now. We got to win these games now. This is a big one. We want to go to the playoffs. When you lose, how then do you that, bounce that's why, back? That's why you don't say that. Yeah, coach, coach the coaches said, never no, do yeah, No, you can never say this is a must win. This is a must win because if you lose, then what happens? Yeah. <laughs> you can't say that. Coach, it's, talking to Coach T Saturday before the game, you know, he understood the importance. He was like, this is our type of game, smash mouth football. Let's go win this game. He didn't say this is a must game. I know he was looking at that uh that AFC North though. Like we got four games left. Like, okay, we lose this game. We got four games left in this AFC North. Now we win these four games in this AFC North. We got action. Yeah, we're back at five and one. So all you gotta do is win your division. And that's what they're banking on. Speaking of winning a division, the most hotly contested of them all right now is the AFC West. West. Handsome, who's going to win that thing? I say best win, to your point, the other side of that coin, is KC pulling that one out and probably down there against the NFC defending champs. Well, I don't, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I think the Chiefs might do it. Oh man, y'all! No, I picked the Chiefs. I picked the Chiefs early in the year to win man, the division. Tripping, but man. my the biggest issue they have, and it's funny you you, you they say get this, Justin Houston back now. They struggle with the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos struggles with the Oakland Raiders, mm-hmm. and the Oakland Raiders struggle with the Kansas City Chiefs. Huh? That's that's, that's just how it goes. It just works that way. And so I think uh, they offensively they're not scoring enough points. Mm-hmm. They're not putting up enough right. points. Your defense scored, uh, and then you had Marcus Peters for probably the play of the year ripping the ball from Kelvin Benjamin to get you in the field goal range. Uh, that's that's what it's all about. So I I think when you're talking, to, you know, when you're looking at um, the Oakland Raiders and why I would say that they, they'll win this division, their defense is playing better. Their offense puts up points, can score with anyone, and they can run the ball. And that's so, there. I, I think, to me, I don't want to make too big a deal of that, but what they were able to do against the Broncos the with Latavius Murray has to change the perspective for the rest of the NFL to say, including the Patriots on down, wow, they you know they could come in here and do right. that to us all day. What are we going to do to stop that? Mm-mm. Same, same, same thing with the New York Giants did last night. Like they wasn't explosive on the run, but when it was time to pick up that third and five, they ran the ball. When it was time to pick up, they play situational run game football. Like, okay, in the first half, man, you know, three yards per pop, four yards per pop. But now later on in that second half when it's third and three, when it's third and two, we're picking up these yards by running the ball. And I think the Raiders, that's the only hindrance the Raiders had from what I've seen was running the ball because they got the best duo at receivers than anybody, really three. Yeah. Really three. They got a good three at the receiver position. The running game was the problem. Now they got the running game to go along with D.C. And finally, and finally, their defense has started coming along. And this, 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 but, but Tyreek Hill can be the X factor. That's what <laughs> when, they when, lack when, when Macklin, when Macklin comes back, I've been saying this for and a couple Kelsey. of weeks. Tyreek Hill is a baby Percy Harvins. So he don't have you to have, be. You were the first one to make the that man. Call. You're he right. don't have to be the man over there because he got two other guys who can be the man. Once they get wear back, Tyreek Hill is getting a lot of experience, a lot of exposure right now. He's finally being healthy. Kelsey and Macklin, watch out for the case. He's a lot like Wes Welker to me. No. I just wanted to throw that. No, out. I, well, I was going <laughs> to say this. Just the last thing with the Oakland Raiders, they spent money on that offensive line. Mm-hmm. They they went and got two yeah. high price free agents or three really, and Austin Howard and. And Rodney Hudson Similar. and KO, right? So you you wouldn't they they similar they they built that offense like Donald Penn. Yeah. They built they built that offense the same way the Cowboys did, just a different way. They did yep. it through free agency instead of the draft, yep. and it's starting to show up. Don't jive yourself. Might is still right in the NFL, and we've been ca- talking about this for about eighteen months now. That you there the ebb and flow, and oh, it's all passing, and that's all that matters. The teams that still are going deep, the best teams are ones. They can run the football. Ball. And with it and the one exception to that, although they're starting to fix it too, the Seahawks. CJ Procise mm-hmm. is starting to round it. Thomas Rawls comes back this mm-hmm. week too. Yep, yep. A goodbye, Kristen Michael. Um, and uh in all likelihood. But yeah, I think they're gonna be running the ball more and more as the year goes on too, especially as Russell Wilson gets his running ability. Yes, yep. Right. All right, now let's get to Ike's uh corner corner here and a little off beat here. We'll skip talking about the Marcus Peters play uh for time here, although 
Ike, your college teammate, Pina Tillman, is mm-hmm. the is the master of that stripping yeah. move. It seems like more teams are trying to do it, but why is it that it's elusive? It's an elusive skill to some guys. Why can't everybody master just ripping that ball out like Pina Tillman did over and over and over again? Pina was the only guy who can do that. They call it the peanut punch. So Pina just had a knack for punching that ball out. But what Marcus Peters is doing, man, if you just check him, look, look at Oh, my God. Look at, look at the IQ of Marcus Peters. He knows he has four other teammates around him. So what you going to do? If I didn't have nobody around me, I got to make this for show tackle. But since I got a whole entourage around me, let Take me it. go for this ball because I know I got four guys who can make this tackle. This guy have been a ball hawk for the last two years. Since the day he walked since in. Since right. the day he stepped foot in the NFL, that blade of grass, Marcus Peters, that's all he do is take the ball. I agree with you, but and, and I'm the last. I don't care how you celebrate. I'm all for celebrations. But Marcus Peters ends that play. He kicks the ball Nothing into wrong the stick. I don't think there is, except if you have established that you're That's going to flag people for doing that, they kind of should have given them the penalty. Well, he was off the field. Off the field. If I'm off the field, I can do what I want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, all right. I mean, listen, I don't care. I'm, I'm all for Oh, you care because you talked about he it. Kicked, he you punted can. that ball probably better than their punter, too. No question. That thing went. <laughs> he has an like, in that ball. Here's the question. So, all right. Maurice's old adversary, in fact, I don't think it's fair to call him an ad- Maurice dominated Sean Merriman famously once in uh, in Pass Pro, knocked well, Sean Merriman. But Merriman is a pal, and it was in here on uh, in Studio 66 a number of times himself. He was just on with uh, Harry Connick on his show, and he made a strange admission. He's afraid of bananas. Is the is the afraid of he bananas? He has a lifelong fear of bananas. He should be afraid of Maurice. Yeah, yeah, he tried me a couple times. The old, he lost. tried to old me after that. Did you have like a banana in your face mask no. or something? No, Marshawn Lynch came around, and then all was good. <laughs> <laughs> now, Eric Berry, of course, we remember this from him famously two years ago, Strange Fear. Oh, hell no, they go that horse. I respect it. No it ruined his whole game. <laughs> the whole day devoted to being afraid of a horse. I respect it. Because you uh, don't know what the horse is thinking. Uh, that's true. That's Imagine true. if he'd be drafted by Y'all the Broncos and just like, I refuse to play. There's another oh four-legged gosh. creature that someone here in Studio 66 is afraid of. Take a look back to summertime <laughs> when it was announced the L.A. Rams were moving. This is a good place to stop. Over. <laughs> What's wrong, Maurice? What's happening? He's scared of me like I'm scared No, he's not. No, he likes you. He just wants, he wants to feel You brought a live animal in, Check. Maurice, just give him a, nice, him a hello kiss. Maurice, you're taller than him and everything. That means nothing. Have you, have you ever had a dog? That's not no dog. <laughs> yeah, Maurice was scared of a live ram. It was a baby ram. It don't matter. Scared. How do you know that was a baby? That Check. Was a- First of all, you brought that ram out of his uh, environment <laughs> into where we were working. Okay. And then you even said he nudged you one time and kind of gave you a little, mm. I'm not going to. And then he was looking at me out the side of his face. Like, I'm not messing with him. They have to look out the side of their face. That's where their eyes are. Professional exactly. football player, Maurice Jones-Drew, who didn't back down from Sean Merriman, who had him by at least 50. Sean, Sean got two legs. Exactly. And I know what Sean's thinking. He's a human. I don't know what's going through that Rams mind at that time. And then, I, and then Nate was pinching me the whole time, trying to get me to come out. Check. Don't, let's not do that again. Well, any wild know. animal I don't like. <laughs> well, oh, I would never. Boy. I would never take advantage of that. No, right. Boy, y'all crazy. Now, handsome Hank was once bucked as a child. This is I true. was butted by a ram. Yes. I got. I not not just like a nudge. I got a full, like those horns. He was Bang. a little boy running in a field in England somewhere, and a ram came and and hit him in the blindsided me for real. Did he? I didn't did even he know come he back there. the second time or no? <laughs> no, he just stood over me. He like tr- it was Ram trash talking me. He Go like, away, Ram. Beat it, you. you. What'd you say to the Ram? I was like, great? what the hell was that? Handsome. Uh, <laughs> do you have any unusual fears of bananas? No, I, mean, I can't or think rams? of anything that like spiders. Unusual. No? I I'm sp- good with spiders. Snakes. Are you, what are you afraid of? You have any phobia? I, I tell you what, I don't. But this is you're supposed to. Be, I hate horror movie. I can't watch a horror movie. What? Like I wouldn't. I cannot sit down. I haven't watched a horror movie in 
20 years. That's that, that's made up. I'm talking about something that can really get you. Like, what, like imagine, a ram? Yes. You don't run into rams on a daily basis. But when you, if you're hiking, if you're on that Runyon Canyon and you're hiking, there are no rams. There's rams up there. Rams, there's no rams <laughs> on sheep. In Hollywood, <laughs> there are no rams running okay, around. Okay. Like wild, wild <laughs> rams. Well, go up there and let's you. see. Yeah, let's you let's go do up it. There and as soon as you get as soon as you get blindsided, then you'll be like, <laughs> well, I, well, well, Maurice said there was rams. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maurice. Said what there if there was is rams. a ram? What's it gonna do to you What's if there is do? one up there? That's bro. his territory. If he comes Smash to charge, face yeah. It. But they don't. But that would be if, like, if that you were ram, another ram, then he would be like, "This ram's in my territory." But you're just like you're. He Maurice. might got a bad eye. Ike. He might got a bad eye. Ike, yeah. what is your phobia? Looking at you out of the side of his face. Oh man, <laughs> just probably staring down a grizzly bear. A bear. Yeah. Yeah, a bear like, would be bad. Well, see, that's reasonable. Now, if there's a big ten foot bear, now see, that's a reasonable fear to have. But you don't know what he's thinking. It's not. It's not that he's afraid that the bear is ten foot. He doesn't know what he's thinking. <laughs> I don't. That's know. the issue. I want has I, I legitimately wonder. Has a human being in recorded history ever been killed by a ram? Probably not. You know, I don't know. I bet. I bet. Because, like, those horns, if they jumped up, some of those, you know, you see on the nature programs, the yeah. rams, they, like, well, jump yeah. up. And those horns are hard. If I like got you when in they the do head. their thing. That's one of the coolest things in nature is that rams run full speed at each other. Well, why you didn't do that with that ram to see where you was at with it since it was a baby? <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> you saw, I, I made friends with him. I'm a man of peace. I'm okay. a friend of yours and the friend of nature's. <laughs> I don't mess Ike. with live animals. Especially I, you know, with the four legs. No. My fear is, my, my fear is uh, I'm afraid if of I, failure. I guarantee, I guarantee if I brought my, my, my two young puppies in here, everybody in this thing would get up and move. What's your dog's name? <laughs> uh, Jag and Raider. <laughs> but you guys would Why, ever, what would they do? What, what could they, they do? They wouldn't do anything, but people would get up and move in this place. There'd be some people would be moving around quick. <laughs> Why? Some baby bears. Yeah, they're, they're 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 animals. I'm glad Sean Merriman was there for you. It's weirder to be afraid of bananas than it is rams. What well, the banana's not gonna do anything to you. What is a banana gonna do to you? I agree. Probably nothing unless it's Have you the seen floor. the new movie, the uh store movie about the uh food? And they all wanna get picked and they go home and then they all get cut up and put and made food? No. It's called Sausage Party. You got to see it. Oh, I'm looking for. Yeah, I saw some uh, previews for that. I got to see it. All right. Thanks. All, I also have some other Emma, uh, looming you. fears that uh, have uh, have been around for about a week or so. Speaking of that, let's get to a guy you watched on election night at the touchscreen. Here he is from CNN. He's also a big Patriots fan. Here comes John King, everybody. As all of you know, last week, John, you were so nice. You gave me this. New England's Patriots jersey with my name on it. You can see it right there. Uh, Not happening now. Never happening now. Will not be wearing this jersey. But you you saw what happened. uh, What what happened exactly? That was was, was 16 to nothing. uh, Buffalo Bills in Foxborough. So on behalf of all of the winners, the Buffalo Bills (laughs) fans, John, we want to give you this Buffalo Bills jersey with a personalized right. moment for you. Right. Congratulations. I hope you'll be wearing it early and often. <laughs> uh, to quote my great friend, Wolf Blitzer, it's a beautiful gift, and I thank you, but not happening. <laughs> well, now we bring uh, this, uh, this uh, guest on after another Patriots loss. But, of course, if there was any real star who got a 100% approval rating for his election night work. It is this man from CNN, John King. How are you, sir? Thanks for the time. I am great, Dave. It's nice to be with you. And uh, yeah, it was a tough loss uh, Sunday night for the Pats. I will note to my friend Wolf Blitzer, we did get our revenge when the Patriots went to Buffalo, uh, but that one's in the rearview mirror now. This one, Foxborough the other night, still stings a bit. Yeah, well, and yeah, and by the way, Jacoby Brissett was in there. I mean, you you, you, you were a real gentleman there. You could have thrown that in his face, but you didn't, and, uh, and uh, you got your uh, revenge there a few weeks later. So what? let's talk about it. Like I say, you know, some, some artists work in oil, some work in clay. John King works in touchscreen. You, I mean, really, are you aware on social media, on election night or beyond, of of what people are saying? John King is a wizard with that thing. Are, are you unparalleled? Are you aware of all that talk? 
I, I don't pay all that much attention to it, especially on election night, because a live event on television, as you know from covering a big game, uh, you start off in the morning thinking this is the way it's going to go. The early, you might watch the first or second quarter and think it looks like it's going to be defensive struggle, and then boom, it's a blowout offensively in the second half. So you just got to go with the flow on election night. I appreciate the kind words. There are also some tough words out there in social media. There always are. If you're a Clinton supporter, when the night started to change toward Trump, uh, you don't believe what you're seeing and you lash out. That comes with the territory. But for those who, if we were helpful on election night, it was a, it was a crazy night. It was a, the nuttiest election night I've had in my lifetime, and this is my eighth presidential election. If we were helpful in explaining what was happening and the map gives you a great way to do that, uh, good. That's, that's what we're trying to do. That's what we get paid for. Yeah, I mean, obviously you're not being hyperbolic about uh, what happened uh, last Tuesday and how stunning it was. At what point did you recognize, wow, this is not going the way the vast majority or I suppose maybe even close to 100% of everybody who speculated about it, it was going to go the other way? Now, the, the warning signs for me from a Clinton perspective, this is this going to go differently than we anticipated based on all the polling data? And remember, the polling data was overwhelming. She had a national lead. She had leads in most of the key states. Uh, the early warning for me was Virginia. Clinton ended up winning Virginia, but it closes early. It closes at 7 o'clock. And when those results started to come in early, you started to see that she was underperforming in the places where she needed to run it up and that Trump was overperforming in places if you compared him to Mitt Romney or John McCain. That's when you started to get a sense that in small towns, rural America, they were sending a message. Uh, it was a message to this town I work in, Washington, D.C., a message of we don't like what you're doing. We want really significant change. And we're going to go outside the box and think of something different here. So you could see it in Virginia. And then when we started to move on, you could see, you know, if it was that close in Virginia, that meant she wasn't going to win North Carolina. And that meant she probably wasn't going to win Florida. And then the stunner for Trump came, you know, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Those states, not since 1988 in the case of Pennsylvania and Michigan, not since the 1970s in the case of Wisconsin, have those states gone red. So small town, blue collar America uh, hit Washington with a two by four, plain and simple. What do you make of, and I certainly want to steer towards, uh, let's talk about uh, the New England Patriots and their chances of making hay in January. But what do you make of, to transition into that, the, you know, whether it's uh, members of the Patriots or any, or Colin Kaepernick or whichever side of things, what do you make in the 21st century of sports figures having their political opinions out there? Does it affect the way you care about your team? And what do you think about philosophically about uh, people putting that out there in the first place? I think whether it's Colin Kaepernick and the kneel down or whether it's you know Donald Trump rolling out at a rally, his note from Bill Belichick. Look, I, I, we live in a democracy. Everybody gets one vote. Everybody, it only counts for one. Uh, but some people have more influence in their community. Uh, you know, stars of football teams are role models. We could go back to the old basketball days when Charles Barkley and those guys debated all these things. But they are role models, more so in some communities than in others. Patriot Nation, as you know, is a pretty fierce place. Uh, and, and so people do watch. Did a voter in Massachusetts or in somewhere in New England or somewhere in Patriot Nation across the country change their vote when Donald Trump said, I got this great note from Bill Belichick? I kind of doubt that, maybe one or two. Uh, but does it influence your thinking? I, I like this guy or this guy runs a tough squad. Now, my question was really, how does Belichick manage the locker room? Because I assume in the locker room, there's a lot of debate. Uh, there are a lot of people who look at things Donald Trump said during the campaign and said, he's not my president or he's not my candidate. So the coach takes a risk. The players take a risk when they do that because they have to live in the family of their locker room, if you will. And then outside that, the next layer, the family of your community. What will the people in the community where you're trying to build a fan base, you're trying to sell your merchandise, you're trying to build TV ratings, what will they think? So it's risky for athletes and coaches to get involved. But I also think it's the First Amendment. You know, for those who want to do it, understand the risks and then step up. All right. Well, maybe this is uh, a, a tenuous way to, to now uh, dive in here. But uh, one person, and I assume it was Bill Belichick, decided on fourth down at the one-yard line against the Seattle Seahawks, who 21, wow. mu 21 months earlier decided from the one-yard line it was a good idea to throw the ball. What did you make of the fourth down call by Belichick to throw that fade uh. to Gronk? Uh, I wish the fourth down never came. I think that Tom Brady, remember, Tom Brady had the sneak before mm -hmm. that. I th I, I, most people think to try to get, you know, Pete Carroll to use that final timeout. Maybe that was the strategy. Maybe Tom saw something at the line of scrimmage and thought he could get in. I just think when you get a first down right there with four downs to go, you got to get in. Uh, and you got to, I, I think people always say how Belichick gets other coaches off their game. Uh, coaches make mistakes, go outside of the playbook. I thought the fade to Gronk, maybe they were trying to get the interference call and get four more tries. I would have just put 
Devlin and Gronk in the backfield, or Gronk in the backfield and Devlin at H-back, and giving it to LeGarrette Blunt four times. Just one, two, three, four. But that's been a problem for the Patriots sometimes, physical play. They're a great team, but go back to the losses to the Giants in the Super Bowl, go back to when they lose in the playoffs. When it happens, they usually get out-physicaled. That's not a verb, but I just made it one. Uh, they get out-physicaled at the offensive line, and maybe that was the thinking. You know what? I'm inclined to agree with you on that one. Now, what confuses that perhaps for the play callers with the Patriots is that you have perhaps the best quarterback in the history of the game. Weigh in on that. Who is the best quarterback of all time, John King? Oh, it's a, that's an easy one for me. It's Tom Brady. I appreciate maybe the Joe Montana fans, or I appreciate maybe the Terry Bradshaw fans or Dan Marino fans. You can look at the numbers in history. I'm a Patriots fan. It's in my blood. It's in my DNA. I think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. And for those out there who aren't sure to agree with me, uh, we got three or four more, five more, maybe six more seasons for him to prove it, Dave. <laughs> well, as a Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> fan, I appreciate you, you invoking the name Terry Bradshaw. Too often winners, left out of that. Winners. I, yeah, look, I, you can look at more athletic guys. You can look at more talented guys. You can look at the case of Dan Marino, such a great thrower, never won the big one. Uh, there's, you, know, you can look at this a hundred different ways, and most of us look at it through loyalty, let's just be honest. But Bradshaw was a winner. Montana was incredibly gifted in different ways than Terry Bradshaw. He was a winner. That's how I look at it. Tom Brady has been a winner, and even as his skill set has changed a little bit, he was never speedy, mind you, but even now as he's a little older, a little less nimble, uh, he finds a way. And that's how I judge talent. By do, they, do you find a way to get, as Bill Belichick would say, the job done? Yeah, you're right. And uh, to be fair to Tom Brady, even when he was 24, he wasn't winning any foot races, so it hasn't been. Uh, he hasn't lost. Uh, he hasn't lost that much. So go ahead and project ahead for us now. Um, who you anticipate will be in? You talk about winners. Who's going to be in Super Bowl 51? Based on what just happened this election, Dave, I should probably pick. <laughs> the Browns and the 49ers, right? I said, you know, we're just going to, you know, the, the, the Reds, the sea is going to open wide and the Browns and the 49ers are going to charge into the playoff. Uh, no, uh, that's what, yeah, that's what <laughs> a smart bet would be given what just happened in politics. I, look, I believe fully the Patriots are going to make the Super Bowl. I do think they got a message Sunday night that they need to work on a few things. I still think they are the cream of the crop in the East, although there have been some, you know, the Raiders are playing really well. That's fun to watch. Uh, Miami is coming alive. I hope we can just keep them, you know, the, keep them in the middle of the AFCs. But I, I think, look, the Patriots are going to make it. Uh, if you asked me the other day, I would have said Dallas, definitely. Uh, but I think they're, if you watched Russell Wilson the other night, if, if you want a rematch of that Super Bowl, I mean, the, the Seahawks started off the season kind of a little iffy, but boy, they looked, they looked better than good. They looked great the other night. So I would love that rematch if it happens. We still got some business to do, including we're about to move into cold weather football. So sometimes what you think at this part of the season changes a little bit as we get into the outdoor stadiums that get a little chilly. You bring up the Cowboys, and I do suppose that they are probably the biggest obstacle on either side. It does seem – I can't recall an NFL season where it seemed like two teams were so prohibitively favor, uh, favorites to get there, and I'll do respect to the so-called America's team. You know, I was talking about this just last week in front of the Steelers and Cowboys game. Maybe one day, John King, you could get up at the uh, touchscreen and look at that map of America and divine once and for all – who is truly America's team? What would be your guess right now? Most popular. Uh, most popular. That's an interesting one. The, I mean, the Cowboys may have been back in the day. Uh, who's the most popular team right now? I'm going to have to, again, say my Patriots, even though I know everyone's going to laugh at me don't, watching don't, this. Don't you because, do it. Right. Because we, we watched through Deflategate and everything else, the polarization. Uh, you know, that's a great question. I actually don't know the answer to that right now. I, I think that if you look at a young team like Seattle, an aggressive team like Seattle, uh, they get lost sometimes up in the Pacific Northwest. But when you see them on national television, you think, hey, that's how I want football played. That's how I want football played. I think the Patriots do it the old-fashioned way, and you have to have that the system works and that they have a good team every year despite all the turnover in personnel, I think you can applaud that. So I think these things come at you from your perspective. But to the point of Dallas, that a rookie quarterback and a rookie running back uh, have taken this team so far, it's fun to watch. It's astounding to watch. I, I live in a town... This is Redskin Nation. I'm a Patriot mm. fan. I'm, I live in Patriot Nation. For me to speak nice of the Cowboys sitting where I'm sitting, they may come through. The barricades might come down <laughs> any second. But, but it's fun to watch. Now, will the rookie get tested at some point as they get closer and closer to the playoffs? Of course he will. And they get in the playoffs, that's the ultimate test. But it's just fun to watch from a sports fan perspective to be surprised. That's always what we like. Well, you know, you talk about the loyalty and, you know, what you like to – what, where do you come down as a longtime Patriots guy, Pat Patriot, the old, uh, you know, Patriot guy snapping the ball, or the uh, 21st century flying Elvis? 
I'm old-fashioned. I'm a Pat Patriot guy. I like the old uniforms. I grew up when Steve Grogan was the quarterback and John Hanna was on the offensive line and Stanley Morgan was going out there. And I like those old-school uniforms and Pat Patriot. That's <laughs> um, I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> Stanley Morgan, yeah, and Steve Grogan with the neck roll. You didn't see too many QBs wearing the neck roll out there. Um, that guy took a pounding when he was in there. Boy, that was a, he was the toughest SOB I've ever watched. They had nobody to block for him except for John Hanna, and boy, he was awesome. <laughs> uh, what Finish this sentence for me. If the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl, it will be because of their blank. Lack of physical play up front, offensive right. line, offensive line particularly. If you're, you, it's got to be able to push. They, they're, it's built to protect Brady because they pass way more than they run. But they got to have a more of a physical presence. I go back again uh, to the painful. Uh, losses to the Giants, even when they were ahead in those Super Bowls, when they get shoved back, that's when they tend to lose in the playoffs. So they got to get a little bit more physical. And I think what happened in that you know goal line series at the end of the game tells you all you need to know. You got to be you, uh, the Warriors have to be able to win that battle. When you when you're looking and the goal line's right there, you got to be able to get there. And they didn't. Not physical enough. You strike me certainly as a man of uh, science and uh, and. Um you know, particular methodology. What do you make of uh, of the the character that is Gronk? <laughs> He's a superhuman force, uh, and I think actually, you know, early in the season he started off a little slowly. This time, uh, he made a couple of amazing plays in the Seattle game. It'll all be remembered for that last play where he couldn't get to the ball, and they were arguing about whether he was held or whether it was contact. I'm not sure the fade is the right call. I think you want to get him turning in. But that back shoulder play he made down the sideline, the longer runs, it's just, it is superhuman to see a guy who is so big, who is so physical, who can block on the line on a running play, who can do a quick in or a quick slant, but can also get down the field. It's superhuman. And with Bennett on the other side, I think the Patriots have not yet still fully developed uh, how to use to their advantage the idea that they have two monster tight ends. I agree with you as a matter of fact with the, you know, we hope Gronk is uh, is back and healthy sooner rather than later with the, uh, the lung situation. But I agree with you. The, the two tight end sets, you obviously know what you're talking about with that. When they do that, as we get deeper into this, I think it's going to be unstoppable for just about anybody or probably everybody in the and they may be saving some, they may be saving some right. of this. Belichick and McDaniel have a way, you know, they play through the regular season one way and they've got some tricks in the bag that they won't pull out until they think they need to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the, this is uh, what they do. And, of course, I listen, I'm not taking a shot, John King, but they, they play in the <laughs> AFC East. Of course, this is, they, they have the luxury of, of doing things and holding stuff back to the playoffs because they have no competition in that division. That's there's no question about that, which is why, you know, look, I, I, I'm mad we lost, but there's a, sometimes there's an important lesson in getting pushed around a little bit and not doing what you need to do, or to quote the great philosopher Bill Belichick, not doing your job uh, at the last minute there. So hopefully they're learning some lessons in Foxborough this week. Last thing, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot with this, but do you have any words of wisdom or perspective that uh, you might provide because it does seem what we've seen in the last fortnight and perhaps uh, over the last year 18 months that there's fear I think fear motivated a lot of what happened on election night I think we've seen since that a lot of fear from the other side do you have any sort of perspective that might uh, I don't know provide a little salve on whatever wounds exist out there I I would I would put it this way. Uh, the resilience of the republic is pretty amazing. The founding fathers got it right 240 years ago when they laid it out this way, and we have survived challenges in the past. Now, if you're a Trump supporter and you're excited, great. Be excited, but be reasonable, be fair, and be respectful of the people who disagree with you. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. There are a lot of people out there, especially people of color, African Americans, Latinos, Asian Americans, who think somehow this president-elect and his team don't care about them, don't respect them, don't understand them. I would say if you're in that group, and you're anxious, worried, even afraid of what's about to happen, make your concerns known. Protest in the streets peacefully if you want to. Make it clear, but then give them a chance. Judge them not by their reputation. Judge them not by what they said in the campaign. Judge them by their actions when they work at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And if they disappoint you, get back out in the street. And guess what? Register and vote in the next election. We want to do this peacefully, but it's the greatest weapon of all democracy. Get out and vote. If you don't like what Trump is doing, in two years you'll have a chance in the midterm elections, and then in four years you'll have a chance in another presidential election. So uh, use the power that is the media, that is social media. I would hope do it peacefully and respectfully. And I do think that one of the cherished traditions of the republic is he won fair and square. I know half the country 
doesn't like that. Half the country wishes they could go back and rewind the tape and do it over. Well, you don't get do-overs in football or in politics. So let it happen. Judge them by their actions. And everyone should also take a deep breath and enjoy the holidays and enjoy their family. Uh, the republic will survive if everybody stays involved. So no red challenge flags being thrown at this one. It is, you know, um, imagine if you got those in politics, you know, Hillary Clinton on the sideline, just throw it out the floor. <laughs> well, yeah. excellent stuff. Really appreciate the time, John King, and uh, and best wishes to your Patriots, although they don't need my best wishes. You know, They'll they've got it. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick already, right? We'll, we'll take all the best wishes we can get, Dave. Thanks for your time. Well, today. we appreciate it, and thanks for the uh, for the great work. It really, uh, you know, uh, whether you liked uh, the way things were shaken out or not, it was fascinating to watch your work. You are truly a wizard with that touchscreen. And I'm, I have my friend Maurice Jones-Drew, who does some touchscreen work uh, as well, huh. watching you and, uh, and learning from the master. Uh, I can learn from him as well. Don't, I appreciate that. <laughs> you got your football the there, words. too. Here we go. All right, keep that Bills jersey <laughs> off your back. You're, you're too good for that thing. Never, never, never. <laughs> that will never be worn. But it's nice to have from my buddy Wolf. <laughs> All right, there he is, the great uh, John King from CNN. We appreciate the time, and we appreciate you tuning in to watch. We'll be back with more Dave Damashek football program for you later in the week. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.